This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. For the number Nuggets, three new additions in the draft. I'm Sean Drotar, Sandy Clough on my left. They had an opportunity to be introduced to the Denver media today. And you have the opportunity to hear from the architect of the, the Nuggets. Sort of, uh, it, it's almost hard to characterize it, Sandy. And I've had a difficult time sort of doing it. The idea that uh, even though this roster, for the most part, had to do, was here when Tim Connolly departed, the very significant changes that I think put the Nuggets over the top were due to Calvin Booth's uh, nimbleness in the marketplace and the ability to sort of not only read the marketplace, but understand exactly what his team needed. And so for, for Booth, uh, I, I think that the moves that he made were so substantial for the for the Nuggets. It's, it's very difficult to understate how impactful he was. I'll tell you how good the Bruce Brown move alone, alone was. There are rumors slash reports Mark Stein, the Dallas yep. Mavericks, according to Mark Stein, mm-hmm. are prepared to offer Bruce Brown a $15 million per year deal, which, of course, the Nuggets can't even Cannot begin match. to approach. No, not even close. In fact, it's more than more than double what the uh, Nuggets can offer given the rules of the CBA. They traded Davis Bertan in the number 10 pick. Uh, they ended up taking Derek Lively with that, and that means that they can free up and enough you know money what? to do it. He's worth every penny. He is, and I think that... He's worth every penny. In fact, I would argue that he could possibly be termed underpaid. Even at that Even at 15? level. Yes. He will play. He's 26. Obviously, he becomes an immediate he, starter for them. He'll start he right away, and he is the perfect mate for Luka Doncic, and I have no idea, no idea... What the hell they're doing with Kyrie Irving? Well, and maybe that's part of the equation because we're we're gonna find out on that one. That is that part is very very intriguing because obviously they made that trade for Kyrie Irving. Um, it was obviously a, a disaster. Irving is an unrestricted free agent. I can't believe they'd bring him back. I just can't imagine because it. Uh, remember, not if it's time Bruce Brown. You don't have to. Well, and remember, you got a much better team. The as the Mavericks kind of threw in the towel hoping for a lottery selection, uh, while the fact that it appears, if you look at the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers who were eliminated in the conference finals, perhaps the play-in tournament wasn't a kiss of death. Luka Doncic knew that and kept playing while Kyrie Irving, who they traded for to help him get into that tournament, sat out. Uh, I can't imagine that comes back. I also can't imagine Bruce Brown would want that because he's already had the Kyrie Irving experience in Brooklyn. So I think that's part of it, too. I don't think he'd want that. The question is, is uh, Luka Doncic... Tim Hardaway Jr. and Bruce Brown enough to make you a play-in team? And my guess is it probably is, to be honest. Uh, they have a couple other pieces there, but it probably is enough, assuming everyone stays healthy. And is that what you want? Now, the Nuggets can offer Bruce Brown more after next season. They can only get him to about $7.7 million on a one-year deal this way. But if they do, then they can give him a longer-term deal. So the, the Nuggets and... Calvin Booth in particular have a difficult thing to do. They're going to have to pitch the idea that we can make it up for you on the back end because after that uh, next season, it would be easy to roll off of Contavious Caldwell Pope's 13, 14 million. We can now exceed the cap to 
get Bruce Brown because you'd have his early bird rights. But if you're Bruce Brown, the argument is, well, what if I, what if I get hurt? What if something happens? The NBA contracts are guaranteed. Do I want to leave? Do I want to leave roughly eight million dollars on the floor right now? Right. Assuming that right. it'll come back to me. I mean, that's double. Do we want well, to throw yeah, away double I, I my mean, money? It's double. it's it's time. And listen, uh, at the end of the negotiations last year, Kadri ended up leaving for, for a lot Calgary less than double. for a lot less than double yeah. <laughs> what he was making here. Okay, That's the trick. now he was looking at nine million a year. Mm-hmm. Nobody was willing to come anywhere near that. Nobody was willing to go to eight million, and only Calgary was willing to go to seven. He was looking for nine, and in another context, in another year, maybe he'd have gotten it even from the avalanche. But you know what he had that Bruce Brown does not have? He had the issue of being in his 30s and a strong perception that he had had a career year that he would never come close to duplicating again. That is not true with Bruce Brown. No. Bruce Brown will have many years that at least statistically are much more resplendent than the year he had this year. Yeah, it, it feels like he's really he's just 26. kind of scratching the surface here. Right. Just, yeah. So nobody's saying, oh, Bruce Brown had a career year. Uh, he'll never play like that again. Well, no, maybe for the first time in a five-year career, he was used the right way. And who did he play for in the previous four years? The, next step. the Detroit Pistons, right. who may now under new leadership have a better idea a of what they're of doing, money. but didn't know what they were doing when they had Bruce Brown. And the Brooklyn Nets, who are a complete mess. And now, you know, who knows what they're doing. They're, they're sort of in this weird in-between. They traded it. Show how bad it was. They kind of traded everybody, and then they, they got better. So maybe they're on track. Well, I, but- I, I think they are better, and they're testing out uh, an old theory that if you have at the starting positions uh, maybe three or four guys who are top ten players in the league, um Maybe you can piece something together. But those teams tend to be one star away. Even even teams that have four or five starters who might be top 10, top 15 players at their respective positions, you need that one star to tie it together. I, I, remember the Nuggets of the mid-90s? Right. When they had the yeah. one great year in the playoff run beating Seattle and beating Utah, and everybody looked at that team and said, boy, that's an up-and-coming team for the future. They needed one star to tie it together, though. But it does feel like... They the- needed one star, and you said, what, Dikembe Mutombo was a star. Yes, he was a defensive star. Mm-hmm. He's a shot-blocking star. They needed a... They did not have a great offensive player on that team, per se. Uh, Mahmoud was a Good offensive player. They had hard nosed guys but that got the job done in, in LaFonso Ellis. Of course, was only, it was great. Yeah, and Brian but Stiff. even Fon, even had Fon's not been hurt, I'm not you know, sure Fon's an was ever going to be player. a 20 point no, per game guy. I know Brian Stiff was not. because he did not have the injury problems that Fon's had. He was never close to being a 20 point per game guy. These these are useful players, but Brian Stiff is Bruce Brown. Mm-hmm. Yes. Brian Brian Stiff was in 1993-94, basically what Bruce Brown was in 22-23, 
playing on a much better team. Bruce Brown's case. Obviously. Keep in mind, obviously, that the Mavericks made that trade, uh, trade with Breton. They ended up with Derek Lively, who they wanted. They also used that trade exception. They uh, got Rishon Holmes off of Sacramento, a pretty good player. I think he's a pretty good I player. I like him, too. Right? And then they picked the 24th picks. They got Olivia Maxence Prosper. So that yeah. now they have some youth. They have some length. They have some talent. Yeah. Uh, the turnaround could be quick, obviously, with a very special player in Luka Doncic. They're yeah. motivated and, to, uh, you know, I to think get Luka things going Doncic, before Luka decides to pull the shoot and get out. That's they've, they've, kind they've, of what they're up against. Yeah, it is. And, and as long as his contract remains in effect, they've got to show him. You know, it's almost a Lillard kind of situation. It is. You know, the Lillard deal now, now, right now, this instant, is that they have four days in Portland before free agency hits on Friday. Right, mm-hmm. have those dates right. Yes, there are a lot of dates. Yeah. This week. negotiations dates start. This Nobody can okay, sign, okay. but we know how that I, works. I, I get that. Once yeah, the yeah, negotiation sure. starts, it's, like it's the NFL. on. It's right. on. Right. They have four days to convince Lillard in Portland that they are building a team that, if not next year, then fairly quickly, in the not too distant future, will be a championship contender. Good luck with that. I don't think they'll be able to do it. And he has shown loyalty well beyond the call of duty to that organization. And I think Doncic down the road will be in that kind of position that Lillard's in where he would have no particular objections to staying, but they would have to show him tangibly, not just through promises and, uh, you know, incentives for future years. They'd have to demonstrate conclusively to him that they are an annual year-in, year-out playoff team that is capable under the right circumstances of challenging for a championship, and they don't have forever to do that either. So I think you bring in a Bruce Brown who is, again, one of those guys who's a proven winner now. And knows how to play with a multidimensional talent like Jokic and Doncic. doesn't care if he gets 15 shots a game, 20 shots a game, 5 shots a game, 10 shots a game. It doesn't matter to him. He would be, in my view, the perfect partner for Doncic. And at least they'd be almost halfway towards convincing Doncic that they're thinking championship at some point in the not-too-distant future. So that's obviously a uh, n- not news that the Nuggets love, but probably, if you're guessing that Calvin Booth, who seems to have his finger on the pulse of the league better than most, probably sees coming. I don't think it's a terrible shock. And when having the opportunity to talk about these draft picks, it is an interesting... Uh, the, the, the comments that he made, I think, are really intriguing because... What you read between the lines, and I, I've said before, I think Calvin Booth is trying to, for lack of a better term, and I know I'm mixing sports, moneyball the NBA. Start looking for value where other teams are not looking for value. We talked about drafting guys with uh, with college experience at big programs that understand uh, how, to, how to maneuver into a larger world where they're no longer going to be the stars. The, the maturity and not only experience, but also even in age. Things that are no longer seemingly valued for young players. Here's Calvin Booth talking about his three selections. Yeah, I think they're all high-character guys. They're all tough. They're all smart. You know, they're all skilled. And I, f- I feel like they all bring something a little bit different than we currently have. I think having a balanced roster, diverse roster, is uh, going to be very uh, important going forward in trying to have a sustainable uh, organization and team. Sustainable is the key word. 
Yeah. The key word. He, More he than is, anything. Not looking he, for stars. He's terrific. Sustainability. And he's exactly right. Now, I, not promising that all three will be stars or even rotation players next year. Or maybe what not even he's on the roster. saying is that they all, in their in the own G-League. way, bring a little bit of something that maybe the Nuggets don't quite have. And the most obvious of those things is spot-up three-point shooting. Yes, right. And and knowledge of when to do it. And the guys in, you know, obviously Strother with uh, tremendous decision-making and shot-making ability that was on display at, at Gonzaga, the guy well, that they trusted to make the big shots more than UCLA anybody on the team. About yep. whether Strother can take and make a big shot from <laughs> well beyond the three-point Right, line. exactly. So I think they know that's the case. Tyson uh, is, is, a, is a guy that can catch and shoot, but also was in the top five in all of college in rebounds. So there's some talent there. And in Pickett, you get a, a ball handler that's got a big body, a different contrast than what you had, but a guy that's comfortable with the ball. When you're looking at that idea, those kind of players, and you're looking at trying to add that ability in free agency, it obviously costs a lot more. That's why the key to the next thing that, Calvin, you're going to hear from Calvin Booth, the idea that he understands what he's playing with. The word archetype does some heavy lifting here. Well, I think one, uh, I like to utilize the draft uh, to get archetypes that are hard to get in free agency or trade market. So, I feel like all these guys up here on the stage are unique. You know, Julian's a great shooter, 6'7 guard. You know, Jalen's a great basketball player all around and, um, you know, can make others better with his play. Um, Hunter's got an incredible motor, is a great shooter, uh, surprisingly can, uh, flexible for, for, his, for his game and can play on the wing. And, I, and honestly, we still even have Colin Gillespie, who, I, you know, was out all last year, so I almost look at him as part of this class. Like, I know Coach Malone values him, and I value him, and so he's not up here, but um, all these guys, you know, it's hard to find true point guards. We feel like we have two of them in Jalen and Colin. Uh, so now I think that that's, uh, that's going to help maximize the window when we get these guys that you can't get otherwise, and we raise them. I, I am so pleased that he mentioned Colin Gillespie, and he recognizes the talent. And, and by the way, um, we, we got into – I won't say it was even a debate, but just a minor difference mm-hmm. on the fluidity of uh, one Hunter Tyson. And uh, I think, I think I may have won that one. Yes. It would have From yes. the way Calvin Booth yeah, described Yeah, I'm going to Calvin Booth's. Uh, Surprisingly, what was yeah. the word he used? Flexible? Flexible, yeah. Yeah. Which means athletic. I, I think so. Which means know, fluid that, athlete. And you can also play the guy down low, and you can play him on the wing on the outside. Right. Yeah. There are other ways to define it. Look, I, I, I trust, I uh, I trust Calvin Booth's judgment over mine without well, any questions. Well, no, so, yeah. no, no, but that was just a minor quibble. But, but I, the, I don't win them all. Who was, so I need to point out on a few occasions <laughs> I do win that. Who was the? Uh, uh, it's two on one. one. Yeah, and I've got well, Calvin Booth. Yeah, and that guy. Uh, that guy carries about like ten weights. So yeah, it works out. But uh, the the point there he makes is also important when you're talking about Gillespie and Pickett because uh, who was the Nuggets backup to Jamal Murray as a ball handler? Bruce Brown. Yeah. Oh. Now. That's right. What you're talking about is in Pickett's case. I went over the stats the day after he was drafted with everybody. In Pickett's case. Uh, only one of the guards that scored as much as he did had a better assist-to-turnover ratio. It was top 10 in all of college basketball. We know that Gillespie, a champion at, at Villanova, also very effective. We're seeing guys, again, in Pickett and Gillespie, 
who at least historically, we don't know at the NBA level, we haven't seen either one of them, don't make a lot of dumb decisions with the basketball. Well, and the thing thing I like about uh, Pickett is the same thing I like about uh, Dwan Harris of Kansas. Um, they can be effective without taking any shots because they make other people better, and they're so unselfish, and they have great vision. Now, they play the game in a different way, uh, but they, they both have shots that have to be taken seriously from three-point range, and they're really incredibly smart in the way uh, they play the game, and they're tough, too, pound for pound. I mean, really tough. And this is what I like about Pickett, about Gillespie, too. Gillespie's got a little more size than Pickett does. But these are two guys who didn't have last year, Gillespie because of injury. And, you know, we're talking about, well, you know, it'd be nice to have a backup point guard, and that's probably a little more important than having a backup center because the backup center you can go with bigger forwards right you can do i, I thought actually malone you can, you can maneuver malone around was it. pretty skillful in maneuvering around that this year without playing Jokic 40 minutes a night or even 35 minutes a night yeah. as it turned out and even in the playoffs being able to rest him again i go back to this rather remarkable stat in all of the playoff games the nuggets played all 20 of them they were a minus three without Jokic on the floor Right. Believe that they virtually broke even through twenty games with Jokic sitting, as he had to do with foul trouble on multiple occasions. Western Conference Finals, NBA Finals, and they were fine without him. They even at times flourished. Now I'm not carried away and say that. Well, by the playoffs, they played almost as well uh, without Jokic as they did with him. It's still not even close, but minus three through 20 games without a particular player who's your best player and maybe the best player in the world, you can live with that. You can live with that. And they did it without playing DeAndre Jordan very much. It was basically Aaron Gordon yeah. backing up or Jeff Green maybe here and there because there aren't a lot of backup centers who are going to be able to hurt Aaron Gordon. When Aaron and that's Gordon where he plays defense was, the way he does. He was the third of the three picks. But you're talking about a guy with uh, not quite as muscular as Aaron Gordon, but in Hunter Tyson, who, again, averaged 9.5 rebounds last year. You know, maybe, maybe there's, as odd as it seems, there may be a window for a couple more minutes, depending on how the roster gets constructed, for the last guy picked out of the three. But we'll have an opportunity. Oh, I, I think there's a better chance that he gets... My, it, I've been thinking about this too over the weekend. early minutes. I think he may get initially, anyway, more playing time than either Strother or Pickett gets. The two, two guards. Right. And even if the Nuggets don't bring Bruce Brown back, they're, they're, they're still pretty pretty well stocked back right. there with Caldwell Pope, who can play minutes, and obviously Jamal Murray. Uh, you know, but Boy, you you throw in guys like Gillespie and Pickett, but especially up front, I'm assuming even if Jeff Green comes back, he won't play very much. He'll be kind of the Udonis Aslam of the Denver Nuggets. so. So you'll need somebody to fill in as that first big off the bench. Why why wouldn't it be 
It might very well be Hunter Tyson. Hunter Tyson. It may be. We'll hear from all three of the Nuggets draft picks who had an opportunity to talk a little bit about their new team next on Wiley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. None of the three Nuggets rookies are expected to play major minutes. I mean, if minutes. I mean, Peyton Watson is the example. Peyton Watson uh, barely got into games by the end, and maybe a little bit into games. The Nuggets are deep. Certainly, if Bruce Brown leaves, uh, Christian Brown soaks up almost all of his minutes. He takes that I agree. role. I don't think there's any question he about that. He takes the role. Right. He takes now, the role. You know, is he... He'll handle it differently. The player, but, Bruce Brown, is no, not yet. But, uh, yes, they, you, you would slot him in. Heck, even with Bruce Brown on the team and playing a lot of minutes, Christian Brown played 24 minutes in Game 5 of the NBA Finals. But there is also Peyton Watson from last year. Sure. There is a sure, he's, about Connor Gillespie from last year. Again, plus these, these are picks. situational guys. And depending on what you need, uh, Watson can defend, speaking of defending multiple positions, I think Watson can defend at least three of the five positions quite capably at this yes, point. It seems and like it. Again, the, the beauty of all this is with guys coming off the bench, you don't worry about foul trouble. You tell them to go out there and right. play aggressively as they want to play, and if they pick up two or three quick ones, you can live with that. They're not going to play more than 10 or 15 minutes anyway. But, I, I'm talking about if, Watson now. I'm not right. talking about Christian Brown. Right. Uh, I'm not even sure yeah. it's it's that it's that many. But, I mean, over the regular season, there may I'm be I'm talking more... about the draft picks, too, right. for next year. Oh, yeah, they're not are... going to play more than 10 or 15 minutes a game, and th- they're not foul-prone guys to begin with. But you tell them, go out there and defensively play as aggressively as you can and, uh, you know, take good shots. And they they all have a sense of which shot is a good one and which kind of shot is not a good one. Right. Shot. Their shot selection, look at their shooting percentages. Their shot selection is exquisite. Right. They're all smart players. They played for a long time. They played for excellent coaches, and you know, they, two of them have played five years of college basketball. Pickett and Tyson, right? And Strathers played for three. So you got among the three guys, you got thirteen years of collective college experience. Well, you had a chance to hear uh, from each of them today, and and you'll hear them in order. Of course, Julius Strather will come first. Uh, you'll then hear Jalen Pickett, and then you'll hear uh, Hunter Tyson. But uh, they talked about the idea of playing with, well, the best player in the world, Nikola Jokic. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, he's the best player in the league, and, and every time he turn on the TV, I mean, it's like magic's happening. Um, I feel like I've never seen him miss a shot. But at the same time, you know, he's always playing the right way, and you know, I'm super excited to share the floor with him. Um, for me, you know, watching him, just watching the way he passes the ball, how he sees the floor, like, I mean, he tries to see the game, see the play before it even happens. So I feel like his passes are just super on time. And, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on the defense when somebody can share the ball like that. Yeah, I mean, he was awesome to watch, especially uh, throughout the playoffs this year. You know, he, he sees the game a little bit differently than everyone he's playing with or against. 
um, very methodical and, you know, doesn't get sped up. And, you know, just like you said, I don't think I've ever seen him miss a shot. <laughs> he does miss shots from time to time, but uh, it's a very high rate of success for sure. But uh, you, you do get the idea that you have players who played at a uh, high level, Strother, of course, especially, but, uh, you know, Clemson has had good runs when Tyson was there. And so there's a, a Again, you kind of hear in the voice, it's not about, oh, I'm going to come in and be a star. They understand, look, I'm, I'm going to play with somebody totally unique and get to learn from that. And that's obviously a pretty exciting thing. The Rochester Times Union had an interview with Jalen Pickett, who at one point was at Siena. And so they asked about it. That's him and, right. And he said specifically, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation. These guys know how to win. They're hungry to get championships. I can hopefully be a backup point guard there and just try to learn from the best. He understands min- minutes aren't there. Minutes aren't there. You're joining the champs. They don't need you <laughs> right now. And so it, you need to be able to have not only mature players, but mature young guys who have worked their entire lives to get into the NBA. And now they're there, and you're not going to play. You're not going to play. If at all, it's not going to be very much. And that's the reality of your situation. Are you going to be mature enough to understand that's how this works at the next level. Not everybody seems to get it. Taking what you hear from these guys and what Calvin Booth talked about, Booth made it clear that that's part of what he's pursuing, the understanding of players that understand you are here for a role. That role may or may not be necessary in any given game, and even if it is, it's not going to be for a lot of time. Are you going to be okay with that? Can you still work and try to get better? And that's going to be the challenge for these guys. But they had a chance to talk about the same order that the, the fellas talking about joining a team and some of them have already been in one with a winning culture. The way they play basketball, they play the, ball, they play the right way and play for each other. Um, you know, I feel like in today's age of basketball, it's kind of getting lost, you know, playing for one another and playing to win. So um, being able to join an organization that's all about winning, all about each other, I mean, it's a blessing. Yeah, for me, um, I'm really excited, you know, to play behind, you know, guys like Jamal Murray. And, you know, Caldwell Pope, who have been, you know, consistent starters in the league and who have been on championship teams, you know, to get behind guards like that, um, just to learn and see what type of work you have to put in is going to be really big for me, and I can't wait to start. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, touching on both of those things, um, obviously just won the championship. So, you know, we'll be in a winning culture. Um, and like you said, team first. And then, you know, just playing under a lot of um, high IQ level guys. So really just going to learn as much as I can about the game, try and soak it all up and, you know, go from there. Can't argue with any it, of that. Kind of sound like Denver Nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> Already, yeah. So I, I, I think they are building a wonderful team, and you always have to keep your fingers crossed because in sports you never know right uh, how long any window is going to be open, and uh, we have plenty of examples here locally about uh, windows closing maybe a little faster than mm-hmm. you expect them to close or opening even at unexpected times. And I I think the Nuggets are about as well prepared as a defending champion in this era can be going into uh, next year with reinforcements on the way. And I completely agree and want to underscore the point that Calvin Booth made by including Colin Gillespie, who did not play because of injury this year, as essentially a fourth draft pick in 2023. The number of young players that are going to be on this team is sort of amazing. You're talking about Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, 
potentially Colin Gillespie. Uh, not forget about Jack White, who spent some time with the team on a two-way deal out of Duke. I, I think he's going to be staying in the G League. I, I think so. But Gillespie has a chance to be on this roster if he's if he's healthy. So now you have six players. And I stand corrected, by the way, on Gillespie, who is not bigger than uh, Pickett. I knew, I knew Pickett weighed more. Yeah, but both, I was six, speaking three. of height, and yet there's really no difference there either. Um, I, I don't know. When I see them side by side, Maybe one or the other will be a hair taller, but they're basically 6'3". Right. At least that's how they're listed. Right. Which is, you know, per, uh, I think that's fine. You're not undersized at that point. And you have, in that case, you know, five guys that may end up being first or second year guys that are going to be on this roster. Now, is that a concern? I mean, I guess it depends on how well they pan out. It depends on how they're coached. But I think Michael Malone has adjusted as well on the way he's playing young players. Uh, it puts a little more, if Bruce Brown leaves, it puts a little more pressure on some of your starters. But uh, they're champs. They've well, shown they can handle it. I, I think to be able to withstand the possible loss of Bruce Brown, and I think the Nuggets can withstand uh, I, mean, I do too. They, they will be it's not preferable, hard but... pressed to replace everything that he brought. However, if any team is in a position to withstand the loss of Bruce Brown, it would be Denver. And heck, a year ago at this time, Denver was the only team who had any kind of vision for Bruce Brown as a player. And, you know, in this age of positionless basketball, it is still amazing to me that so many teams a vast majority of the teams in the NBA take a guy like Bruce Brown and they say, well, how are we going to use him? He doesn't have a position that we can clearly slot him into. He really isn't a pure point guard. Right. He really isn't a shooting guard. He really, I mean, he's 6'4". Who cares what his wingspan is? He's 6'4". How can he be a small forward or a power forward or even defend at times against less than elite setters? Well, the Nuggets figured out a way for him to, to do all of that and play a variety of roles. And the most important play he made all year was at the end of game five of the NBA finals when he scored on a stick back to basically win the game for Denver, along with that defensive play they made with uh, Jokic and Murray converging on Butler and forcing the steal made by Caldwell Pope. Do you, you get the impression, I think, I think it's interesting and we'll touch on it maybe a little bit uh, on the other side, but the, uh, the Mark Stein report that Dallas is preparing a $15 million a year offer for Bruce Brown and has made, they've made him, as, you know, their basically top target in free agency. Well, he might be the best player in free agency. Yeah, uh, it's entirely possible. And and that ends up being sort of, uh, you know, quote unquote leaked. The idea is, is that uh, you want Bruce Brown's camp to know, hey, there's more money out there than you think. Yeah. However, let's discuss the idea that knowing this right now, might, given the fact that you have the rest of the week to talk about it, give Calvin Booth and the Nuggets the opportunity to be creative. Want to know your thoughts? The phone line. You know, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> but is it a possibility? Phone line here is 303-831-1340. You can call or text. We'll talk about that next. And uh, if he moves on, do they need to go free agent shopping with the limited amount of money they have? There's not a lot to go around. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Dose of Christmas and give it up for Lance. My friends are all so cynical, we refuse to keep the beat.
This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The thought process for the Denver Nuggets was in the offseason, uh, if they could, could keep Bruce Brown. That was obviously the, the biggest hope. But they still needed probably a, a legitimate-sized backup for Nikola Jokic and another ball handler. Now, it may be that the ball handlers are taken care of. I think the fact that Booth brought up Colin Gillespie un prompted and talked about Jalen Pickett and specifically said, we think we have two guys that can handle the ball. That tells me that maybe they believe that the small amount of minutes in which, and keep in mind, they, they, they've split this up. Michael Malone's done a pretty good job of that and did pretty well as the, the postseason went along. You have two primary, primary-esque ball handlers in, obviously, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. We saw the numbers they put up in the finals. Well, they are not always on the floor at the same time. And a lot of the time in the finals, Murray was still playing with the second unit. Well, now you don't need that ball handler because it's Murray. You only need that ball handler for a handful of minutes a game. And it does feel like someone like Pickett or Gillespie, if he's healthy, can step up and handle that. I mean, legitimately, what? I mean, what was Reggie Jackson playing? Two, not at all. Two to four minutes a game max well, of on, I, you know, of playoffs, on any, he, right. he wasn't playing. So, I mean, even in the regular season, you're talking about maybe five minutes a game where someone else needs to be yeah. on that's not Murray I, I Jokic. I think that it, it would be in their best interest maybe to play Murray even less than he played this year. I agree with you. You have the luxury of being able to do that. I think you have two legitimate lead guards who played for outstanding uh, coaches, and I, certainly Villanova is a more renowned basketball program than Penn State, but Gillespie was well-known and seen often. Um, I don't think his talents will be unappreciated here once once people get to see what kind of player he is. I think his game translates well to the pros. There are a few questions about Pickett in that regard, but Pickett is such a smart player, I think he'll figure it out, and such a coachable player too. So I, I think they're well-stocked at that position. Backup center, uh, I'm – Kind of come around to your position that I'd run it back with Thomas Bryant. I think I would. And see what happens. And you can always pick up a backup center. You know, uh, Mason Plumley probably was a little underappreciated here. And I think oh, he's yeah, probably think been so. the best of the backup centers in the Jokic era mm-hmm. uh, as far as being willing to play that role. I mean, guys like Jordan and, and not that Jordan was unwilling. Jordan is a good basketball citizen here this year and, and yeah. even a leader in some respects. Certainly. But Jordan had been a starter before. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins has been a starter before. In the back of their minds, they still consider themselves starting NBA players. Mason Plumlee doesn't see himself that way. Uh, that may have been a little bit of the problem with Thomas Bryant, who spent a lot of time this year actually playing as a starter for the Lakers double, double type numbers. the injuries to Anthony Davis and right. others that he would put up respectable numbers over a period. I think he was averaging, now I may be wrong on this, he was averaging about 22 minutes a game with the Lakers this year. I think that's about right. Yeah. Before the trade. Mm-hmm. So he comes here, yes, he understands that he's a backup, but he's used to playing 22 minutes a game, and he comes here, and even as he's being used initially, He's not getting anything close to that kind of playing time. Then he struggles, and his playing time disappears entirely. And I don't know of too many young players at any position who would 
be able to handle comfortably the idea of playing more than half a season at 22 minutes per game and then going to not playing at all. 41 games with the Lakers, 25 of them he started. Uh, coming off the bench or starting average, 21.4 minutes per game. A little off. While putting up 12.1 points, 6.8 rebounds right. a game while right. shooting 65% from right. the field. So uh, so here's a guy thinking, I'm on I'm on my way up. He, I'm going to claim he, a job. We saw some of that in games. One of his best Lakers games of the year was against, against Denver. The Nuggets. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he had an excellent game. And, uh, and it was a Laker win. Uh, remember, the Lakers did split four games with the Nuggets during the season. Mm-hmm. Yes, they, they did. And I think when you, you look at the way that, uh, to, to my mind, Bryant makes sense because he's not going to give you uh, a, a lot of expense. And in that game against the Nuggets, by the way, the, the 17 and 10 against the Nuggets in 28 minutes. And a lot of them came late. Uh, yeah, Both points and rebounds and came late and game. broke open what had been a close game. Yeah, and in the previous game, he had 21-6. In 24 minutes, he shot 9 right. for 11 from the field against the Nuggets. Right, and they were both in Los Angeles, as I remember, and those were the two games. Of course, Lakers won. They lost to the Nuggets twice here in Denver and never beat the Nuggets all year in Denver, but they did beat them twice. But I, just, I the like the combination of size and talent. Uh, again, played at Indiana, another great program. Uh, he's not going to be able to make a ton of money because obviously his numbers, you know, fell off a cliff when he got to Denver. Uh, to my mind, that's the easiest way to do it. Just get get the big body in case you need it. Because you know what? If there's a time when Jokic needs, uh, maybe you, you certainly knock on wood and hope to avoid injury. But is it impossible that Jokic maybe just ends up, you know, whatever, rolling an ankle and needs a week to 10 days off? Yeah. Well, you have a big body. You can start in the middle, and, and you don't have to get weird and turn it into Aaron Gordon starting at center for a week or something like that. You know, you I, I think it's important to have a legitimate NBA center-sized guy in case something happens so you don't well wreck the way the, the rest of the team if, flows. If that did happen, the move would be probably, even if you weren't playing him, to start the guy and leave Gordon where he right, is. That's what I'd do. And then have Gordon come in behind. I, I, I'd play it the same way. Guy. Everyone I'd have the same, the same roles and you just expect way. that the, the production is going to be different. Because Gordon served in the backup role uh, doesn't mean they'll go into next year saying, all right, when Jokic takes his rest, Gordon will always be in the game. They'd prefer that not mm-hmm. to be the case. And if Jokic were hurt, then you would move Bryant whether he was playing or not, into the starting lineup and leave Gordon where he is and use Gordon as a backup to Bryant effectively. And when you're talking about some of the guys that are available that are, you know, uh, unrestricted free agents, uh, yeah, a guy like, sure, a guy like Christian Wood would be great. You're not getting him for the money that's necessary. Of course not. Uh, of course that's, not. A, that's a starting no, caliber no, the, guy. The, you're not going to get a starting, you're not going to get a starter. You, the, you're looking for a backup. The Nuggets don't need people coming in here with expectations that, because they've always played a lot, they'll continue to play a right. lot here, and they'll be discouraged. Well, I like just if running divisive if they come here and don't play. Yep, that that to my mind, that's the easiest thing. See if you can negotiate it, run it back uh, with Thomas Bryant, who knows what the role is, who's now won a ring here, who I, I think still has uh, youth and ability on his side. Is not going to cost you uh, a ton. To my mind, that's the easiest move. They can make that move, and then maybe one other. They are roughly. Before hitting that that next apron, about sixteen million away this year, but they don't want to spend right up to that, obviously, anyway, because you may need to make a trade or you may need to make some sort of move. So, 
you know, you get Bryant back, uh, made 2.2 last year, probably isn't going to get much of a raise, sit around the same. And then you, you give yourself, let's say, $10 million to play with in total. I'm not really sure, and it's difficult to say, I don't think you can replace Bruce Brown with a $10 million a year guy. I don't think you can just replace him in this in this league without somebody at least who hasn't had probably starting experience. That's the thing. Brown is in such an interesting spot. You talk about the problem of getting someone who's a big starter and then say, now you're a six-man. There's still worries if Chris Paul can handle that with the Warriors already. And if you're going to get a guy who's a successful starter but not so successful that you can get him for under $10 million, he's not going to be able to do the things that Bruce Brown probably did. Brown is essentially dollar for dollar, value-wise, irreplaceable. So the question for the Nuggets is, if he leaves, what do you want to do? Do you want to go shopping? Do you want to go ahead and see if you can find somebody as a Band-Aid, or do you want to just say, forget it, you know what, we've drafted all these young guys, we're playing all these young guys, and if for some reason, midway through the year, that doesn't work, we keep that that cap space, and then we can make a trade. Make a trade. But I think you start the year with the team you have now. And... They ought to be just fine. And if, if Brown walks, you know, try to re-sign Bryant, and that might be it. I mean, it's just that simple. But you're talking about a, a very interesting week for the Nuggets, obviously, and we'll find out a little bit more. But uh, when, when you're hearing that news out of Dallas, what that tells me about Bruce Brown, and last week I thought there was maybe a slightly better than 50-50 chance that he'd stay. Because I do know the Nuggets can get him taken care of on the back end. But it is very tough to tell a guy coming off his best year of his career where he finally gets noticed, hey, why don't you take half of what's out there to stay right. with us and, it's, and a smaller it's role. also a guy who's been in the league five years. Now, he's not 36, but he's not 21 or 22, either bursting onto the scene with right. a decade of, uh, of, of service earning opportunity of earning opportunity. Yeah, you're no, in your prime right now. I mean, right now, this is, this is the time now. You, could you sign a, a kind of bridge deal that would take you for the next year or two, and and uh, and then you you can cash in here or someplace else? Sure, that's that's possible. But here's why it's hard, I, really I, hard I to turn I tend to believe. I tend to you know I don't believe all these stories. Mark Stein's a good reporter, but I I, I don't believe every single story I see. But in this one, it's believable because. Dallas has to convince not us, not fans, not Luca, media people, national, local, or otherwise. They, they have to convince Luca that they aren't going to be tanking next year, so that they can maybe, maybe hey, get a lottery. Uh, get, if they get, don't make the playoffs this pick, year, he may opt. He may. Make a stink and get out. Right. I mean, you have to spread. Right. Bruce so Brown, you, you you don't have much time to prove to him that you have uh, the kind of wherewithal to contend. And Bruce Brown has made exactly fifteen million in his whole career. Made whole career total. Uh, not anything more throughout his career. Fifteen million. Uh, so, I mean, uh, money talks at that. It's point. Too hard to turn down. And uh, you know what? I I don't think there would be any. Buddy, down in Dallas, who would say fifteen million a year for Bruce Brown? At least nobody whose opinion you'd be inclined to respect. I wouldn't would think so. wonder why are you paying Bruce Brown as a starter, and why are you paying him fifteen million dollars? Yeah, it's no, just, nobody would. I wouldn't. Nobody think so. would criticize. It's just that. way, way too hard. And so, and and I think if you're hearing that already. 
That's Dallas not trying to uh, blow the doors off the rest of the competition. I think they understand that that's probably where it's going to sit, and they're trying to get out ahead of it right now so they can get into Brown's head and say, hey, don't, 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 don't get settled with the Nuggets just yet. You might want to see what's out here. Uh, I, I think they understand. They also understand that they, along with 28 other teams, yeah. didn't show the slightest interest in Bruce Brown a year ago, and they've got to demonstrate that they're serious. $15 million a year. It ended up at $15 million a year right off the bat. Coming in the next season for Bruce Brown, that would still make him, as it stands, and of course new contracts will get signed all the time, the 93rd highest paid player in yeah. basketball behind guys like Kevin Herter. Yeah. And Luke Kennard. That's right. And Dorian Finney. Timing is everything, folks. And you only have, and again, I've made the point consistently. I understand he's 26, and that gives the Nuggets a better chance at bringing him back. But you only have so many times in your career where you've got leverage. And this uh, is Bruce one Brown of those all of the leverage for Bruce Brown right now. It absolutely is. And not only will it, would he have uh, the, the money in front of him, his entire career earning in one year, but also a starting role and a starting role that uh, would essentially be uh, unimpeded in any way. You know, it's, it's handed to him. So that's going to make it tough for the Nuggets. Uh, you're going to have to figure out what you're, they're going to do, but they feel they brought in guys that can contribute and contribute right away. That's why they picked older players knowing that you're not going to have to do as much coaching them up when they're only going to need to play a handful of minutes per game. We'll find out, of course, the free agency period negotiations start. Of course, the negotiations already happening in the media, as we can tell. <laughs> but it will start in earnest on Friday. Thanks, everybody who tuned in today. Thanks if you're listening on air or whether you were on MileHighSports.com watching or listening or on the free Mile High Sports app. The easiest way to get all of it anyway. Easy, crystal clear at your convenience. Thanks to everybody, however you're listen to the show we appreciate you danny bailey in the booth making everything sound good look good getting all that sound for you from both uh, ryan johansson and all the nuggets today thanks for getting that for all of us danny we'll be back tomorrow for sandy i'm sean keep it right here on my life sports